I think we're kind of living in God's time um, and people are going to kind of wander in. Um, you know that Dave is on vacation this week and uh, for those who are on Facebook, the photos are already appearing. So we pray for Dave and Jeannie and we also um, pray that the beach time is not interrupted for uh, the Morettas who were very concerned because Dave had all these activities that he thought would be great for everybody to go to the jungle and this and that. So, are we surprised? No. We also have the joy of welcoming Robin Sharp, who um, is actually a grant recipient from your scholarship fund for seminarians. And I didn't know if you just wanted to say a word about the journey. What's really fun is we actually know one another. And so I was like, Robin, I know Robin. Um, although a lot's happened in her life since we last met. So uh, we have a mic for you. Oh, well, thank you. Would it be better if I stood too? Yes. How about that? Well, I was just saying that um, my husband and I raised our children in Worcester, Ohio. My husband grew up in Worcester. And yes, he is a graduate of the College of Worcester. Um, and I don't hold that against him or any of the rest of you, but I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, so between my husband and I, we've always had this little rivalry going on. Oh, but how many years marriage? Uh, well, actually, we celebrated 35 uh -huh. this past November, and I was taking a class in the Gospel of Mark at night, and he was auditing it. And the professor announced that to the class because we were, everybody else is probably just, well, they're young enough to be our children. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, so we, I got the call uh, about 2014 and started exploring the possibility of going into seminary and enrolled in Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. I did look at Louisville, but Pittsburgh really was the prime choice because at that time my mother was ill and I was her primary caretaker. Um, so that made sense that I could go back and forth on weekends from Worcester to Pittsburgh. And then, um, well, she ended up dying, unfortunately, for me and my family, but she was in a lot of pain, so that was a blessing for her. But it also made us a little bit freer to make choices. So a year later, we put our house on the market. It sold quickly. Um, my husband left his job, which he had had for about 18 years. And he um, joined me with our Welsh Corgi. They're out in the parking lot walking around right now. Um, in our tiny apartment in Pittsburgh on campus. Our house sold immediately, and we ended up, um, he ended up finding a job within three months working in mental health issues down in downtown Pittsburgh. I graduate June 1st of this year. Um, I have a chaplaincy program that I have to complete during the summer, take my boards, and the rest is in God's hands as to where we will be receiving a call and moving to. And I was just saying, we're pretty much open to anything, but prefer cooler weather than the southeast, desert southwest or anything like that. I know, I know. He's about to put me out in that wilderness that we read about all the time. But yes, he knows that hot weather and I do not get along, so... Anyway, that's where I am, and it's been an amazing journey, and thank you for all that you have done to help make this possible, too. I'm just glad I get to see you today, um, but I am going to ask Michael, actually, just to um, lead us in a word of prayer uh, as you finish up seminary, because he doesn't have enough going on this morning. Robin, nice to meet you. Good to meet you as well. So let us pray for Robin, and let us pray to open our, our day. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and the gift of this time together. We pray, Almighty God, that you may open us up to receive of your Holy Spirit. 
And as we ponder your Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we recognize that your Holy Spirit is also at work in the, in the life of your daughter, Robin. We thank you, Lord, for the ways that you have called her and are continuing to call her, the ways that you have equipped her and are continuing to equip her. Be with her on the last leg of her journey towards, uh, towards graduation, through chaplaincy, towards full-time ministry. Uh, be with her and be with us all as we all cast our eyes towards you and pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and in our lives. Amen. You know, he's another PTS graduate. So, here we are, beloved. Um, and we're getting deeper and deeper uh, into this second six chapters of Daniel. But I thought it might be helpful just for us to reflect a little bit on um, the ways in which Daniel has been leading us uh, in intentional practice as we nurture our relationship with God. So what was interesting to me is I thought, oh, I need to make this look pretty. So I took all the practices and I put them into a word cloud and up this came. And initially, I have to confess to you, I was really upset because look at how little doxology is um, compared to some of the others. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it is just that little bit of joy that can sustain us through some of the more challenging times. And there is no question in my mind that we live in a challenging time. Um, the events, uh, both locally and nationally and beyond, whether we're talking about um, issues of safety for children and youth or environmental issues. Um, now a second friend has actually not been able to uh, make a trip because the weather has been so erratic that even flights out of JFK and major airports are just being canceled um, because it's not safe to fly. And so, so we know we're in this place where if we had Presbyterian disaster assistance come, they would take us through, in the 1980s, we would have one natural disaster a year, and then it became three natural disasters a year, and then it became six natural disasters a year. And, and now, um, there just is this sense that we're gonna have to learn new ways um, for disaster response because of the frequency not just simply environmentally, but also socially and, and otherwise. So I want to take us kind of through. If you remember, we began with Daniel resolving um, that he would not be defiled, but Daniel resolved. And for him, that uh, was prayer and fasting, remembering that uh, fasting without prayer is just a bad form of dieting, unless prescribed by your doctor for a test that you need to have but prayer and fasting. And then we come to that place where Daniel with tact um, speaks to the chief guard to find out in chapter two why it is um, that all of the king's chief magicians and wise men, um, of which Daniel was included, was going to be killed. And there we find that practice of prayer partners. So we have prayer and fasting and prayer partners and, and confession. And we have um, centering prayer, relinquishment, submission, doxology. And last week, we came to the place where we looked at um, what it would mean to pray down strongholds. What are the issues that are beneath the issues? Because right now, as I look at the news, we see all of this surface attention and we keep wanting to address the symptoms without coming down underneath uh, to the root issues that indeed are, um, are driving our responses and, and keeping us in ever active mode with our amygdala. Remember that part of the brain that is the first fully formed part at birth, out of which then the limbic system is developed in the prefrontal cortex, but it is the amygdala that gives us those freeze, fight, flight, frenzy, fuse responses. Um, and also, as we read in the news, the fornicate responses. So it underscores the importance of 
practice and how this isn't just a, I think I'm going to fast today, or I think I'm going to confess today, but in fact that these practices are interwoven into the fabric of our life. Because there's also a building as we go through Daniel. The prayer and fasting becomes the baseline out of which the other practices um, emerge and sustain not only Daniel and his friends, but the whole community. The danger, of course, is that we don't engage in practices for the sake of practices, but sometimes we can mistake those practices for the relationship um, that we seek to nurture out of it. So I want to, I'm going to just share um, some insights from Adele Calhoun today, but I also want to commend this. Now, apparently the new cover is purple. Is that right? You have the new, I should have asked Michael to bring in the new cover so you'd recognize it on Amazon. He, you don't need to go get it. <laughs> but um, Adele uh, served for many, many years at Christ Church Oakbrook, um, and it is a Presbyterian slum um, in that it is a community church, but basically their pastors are all Presbyterian. Um, and it's one of those churches that you just see has high impact uh, across communities. And so Adele's work at the church was spiritual formation. And the youth pastor would come to her and say, Adele, I want to introduce the youth to some practices. The children's minister came to her, the missions minister. And out of this, she began to... Um, basically develop a, sort of a, a little synopsis on each practice, and then um, core scripture, and then some ways in which to engage the practice. And, um, and out of that, a group from InterVarsity took the practices um, uh, to guide them on a mission trip to Russia. And they came back and said, this has to be a book. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she was so busy doing ministry that she was like, I don't have time to sit down and organize it all. They're like, it's time. And that's how it came to be. But part of why I share that piece of the story is because for Adele, this was a, her invitation to draw into an ever deeper relationship with God. So she begins by quoting um, from Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, this passage from Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And then this is my favorite part. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that translation. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I believe Daniel models that for us. In season and out of season, Daniel is attentive to his relationship with God and therefore prepared to respond in whatever circumstances he's called to prepare to respond for. So here's Adele continues, and she says, Wanting to work with and watch Jesus is where transformation begins. Willpower and discipline alone can never do it. Again, prayer and fasting or a bad form of dieting, I would suggest that if it is in the supply of your spirit, your will, that you're going to grow into a deeper relationship with God, then you are just setting yourselves up the simple truth, she writes, is that just wanting to keep company with Jesus has a staying power that the shoulds and oughts can never have. 
Don't you love that term? I remember um, this beautiful soul. Her name was Helene Pfeiffer, who was um, a member of the church I served in Port Chester, New York, back in the 90s. And she came to me to confess one day. She was well into her 80s at this point. And her husband, whom she'd been married with for 60 years, had died. And she'd been widowed for several years. And she goes, I'm keeping company with someone. <laughs> I thought, this is awesome. But... Are we willing to keep company with Jesus? There was a season where um, there was a whole group of folks who just loved in the garden. Any of you remember that hymn? I actually have to tell you, I find it to be a somewhat lascivious hymn. I mean, there is a sense of really wanting to keep company with Jesus, and I'm not sure it's entirely pure in its notion. But if you go to the mystics, there's deep passion in terms of the relationship with God. And with that deep surrender and deep relinquishment of anything that gets in the way of being in relationship with God. Adele then continues and she says, the first thing that Jesus often asks is what do you want? If Jesus were to ask you that question directly, what do you want? would you be able to answer it? Or would you have to kind of um, go through a whole litany of things to get down to that root want? My sense is that Daniel had a clarity of what he wanted, and that was to remain faithful to his relationship with God in season and out season out of season, to remember who and whose he was. And so through these practices, they were a means by which to deepen the relationship. And I share all of that because there are times when um, people like me will come and say, I really think that you should try out this practice. And it's always good for each one of us to try out different practices. But I think we also have to realize that we're going to be shaped and formed in different ways. Some of us are off-the-scale extroverts who have not one unspoken thought. And some of us tend to be more reflective, and some of us are somewhere in between. And then there are different seasons of our lives. I think um, I have shared with you all before that, and I know I have, with Centering Prayer, that that was a really profound practice for me um, in my early years of ministry. And then Elizabeth was born, and it went out the window. And my spiritual director had the nerve to laugh at me when I told her I couldn't pray anymore. And then she said, well, you know, explain what's going on, Debbie. And when I did, she goes, she laughed again. And that's when I got into prayer walking. And Elizabeth went into that stroller, and those two Labrador retrievers were um, put on their leashes, and we walked everywhere. In fact, when there was a new Methodist minister interviewing um, with the church down the street. He said, well, you know, what are some of the things you need to know? And they said, well, we need to know from you first, do you have a dog? It's like, yeah, good, because that Presbyterian minister walks everywhere and prays with everyone, and you've just got to go join her. And he did, actually. I mean, we just would canvas the neighborhood, sometimes together, sometimes apart. Um, and, and people kind of knew the times when we were walking the dogs and would just kind of show up beside us, and we'd pray. We'd pray for our community. We would pray for um, one another. We would pray for those things that were on our hearts. So this past week, we looked at, well, oh, and then remember, this is about living into deeper and deeper relationship with God. It is about surrendering ourselves to God so that we can come to that place of embodying Christ. So last week we looked at praying down strongholds. And we looked at um, putting on the armor of God. Not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot. Did any of you have a chance to, um, to pray through Ephesians? To actually try out what it would mean uh, to, to put on that armor? Now remember, I'm not saying that this needs to become the practice of your life. 
but I am suggesting that it is worth um, experiencing different forms of prayer. And so with Ephesians, um, there is that opportunity in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, to look at what it means to actually put on Christ, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit as we enter into our communities. Because the thing I'm really struck about is that Daniel cared so much about the community in exile that his prayer life was shaped in response to that. I wonder, what would it be like if we were to take, not yet, but maybe in late April, early May, a Westminster hour where actually we go in pairs and we start canvassing all these neighborhoods in prayer. We just go block by block by block to pray for the neighborhoods and to pray that we have Christ eyes to see what God sees. We might be amazed by what we see. I guarantee you we're going to see things that we hadn't thought of or known about or experienced. And I believe that it begins um, with, with putting on Christ. So I'm going to give you another chance. This next week, take your Bible out. Pray through Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 and see what God has to say to you. Because the reality is that it is going to be really easy to get hooked. That all the crazy making of the last several weeks, beginning with Ash Wednesday, are not going away. And we already see the impact in school systems, for example, across Stark County. Our job is not to get hooked up here but to go deep into the movement of the Holy Spirit. So the reason I want you to go back to Ephesians 6 is our prayer practice as we come through um, Daniel 9 is going to be intercessory prayer. But I want you to do it through the lens of praying down those strongholds that get in the way of our relationship with our community, with one another, with being able to let go of things that even in and of themselves are fine, but might be getting in the way of our ability to respond to God's call. We've got this comprehensive report that is the most depressing report I've ever read um, on the city of Canton. And I know that God has plans for Canton. And so sometimes we have to deal with the reality but that reality is deeper than that report. The reality is made through the relationships that we have with one another. Lorraine Murphy, um, back in February, had all the community health workers come, and they were here in this space. Um, they were gathered in the hub of this space in this city um, to really share resources with one another. And the wisdom of those women and they were mostly women. And the energy that they brought was amazing because they know how to pray down strongholds. So today, we're going to um, continue to look at um, Daniel in prayer because that's Daniel's life. Go ahead. Here comes Rich. anyway uh, I'm, I'm always blessed to come to the Sunday school classes here you know and uh, 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 I, I would I guess I won't even get into that part of it but I've been in the Presbyterian Church and our church moved and we had a lot of conflict with your church although we are in our church in the congregation now, this is just being honest you know and uh, I never understood it and I didn't really want to get into it but I'm telling you, you are blessed over there, here. And our church is blessed, too, where they had moved to. But I was kind of caught in the middle. But I've always enjoyed coming over because it's a time of learning and growing and sharing. And I believe you're part of my family, even though uh, we might not articulate on the same side uh, of uh, saying anything. But I want to just tell you this about uh, how you have uh, blessed me this past week. 
I was putting on the armor of God. I have done this previously. You know, and you have different growth points in this. And there was a little clip in the paper, and maybe a lot of you have seen it. They had a prayer meeting uh, for the community, for this, you know, the staff, the teachers, the, especially the students. And it just gripped my heart, and I thought, well, that's where I need to go this week. And so uh, I had been praying, and, uh, you know, it's God's armor, not our armor. Yeah. And he's already given it to us, and it's there. But we have to remind ourselves of that. And you know, I went, and there was all different churches represented. And they came because they had a heart call for one thing, and that was community. That was their grandchildren. You know, that was uh, their schools, their administrators. And it, it, was, it was kind of amazing uh, to, to see People not having to be asked by pastors or their teachers or their churches, but had a need in their heart. And they read that article. And it was open to the community. And they came. And I, I, I've seen a lot of different uh, uh, people that would not agree upon doctrinal things, mm-hmm. but they b- agreed upon Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. And we're all one in the body. And the degenerations. That's what amazed me. We had young people come college-age people, because it was close to the college. Right. And uh, they came in maybe even for credit, because they could get credit for doing these type of things, you know. But they came, and we all came together for one cause, one purpose. And we did it differently. And I'm not in a lot of that new technology. You know, maybe i am kind of been dragging my feet. <laughs> but anyway, they had four bulletin boards or, you know, and they had everybody come up and put their needs of their schools, their churches, their staff, their st- who there was on their heart, and they were all filled up. And we had all representatives from Hoover, Jackson. I live in the inner city, so I, I know what goes on. You know, I live right there. And, uh, and, and the people and the principals, there's different people came. It was, you know, it was amazing to me. And they all did it in different ways. They said, get your cell phone out, you know, and now before the prayer meeting actually began, take pictures of everybody on those bulletin boards. Every school in, in, uh, in the county was listed. It was amazing. And then they, had, they said, this is your assignment. And so they were able to do that because they could bring it for on their, you know, their lap right. or whatever. And they were going to pray. Now there's some old timers like me. And I didn't know who, where they were or what, anything else. But, you know, that was out of my scope because I don't have that technology. I don't have a computer. I you don't know? think you, you have that technology. And, and yes, yes. He, God will hook you up. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, anyway, went on and we all prayed. They had the teachers come up. They had the students come up that were, you know, willing right. to come up. And we prayed together in the unity how we knew how to pray, where we were at spiritually, and where we were at in the love of Christ knit together in the body of Christ that night. Thank you. So I, I just wanted to tell you that it's Thank such you. a blessing. We apply it, and God does the rest. This is so true. So here we are. Um, and the opportunities will continue to present themselves for us to put on that armor and to go out in prayer. Um, this week we've got what in, um, is called Daniel's Prayer in chapter 9. So I'm going to ask you all to turn to 9. Um, and as you're turning there, I just want to say a word on visions. Uh, in, the, in Scripture, there are 66 chapters of visions. Visions dreams, night dreams, day visions, all of this finds its way woven um, through the book of Genesis to Revelation. John Sanford, who is an Episcopal priest, has called these visions God's forgotten language. And so sometimes the experience of entering into the visions um, can seem uh, just a little confusing, even off-putting. But I want us to um, not so much worry the details as understand the practice that allows us to be in ever-deepening relationship with God. So let me give you briefly an outline of the chapter, and then we're going to highlight certain pieces of it. In the first four verses, we have Daniel preparing for prayer. Think about that for a moment. How many of us actually prepare to pray? Now, 
I think that there is the prayer in the moment, but there is something about centering ourselves, about being intentionally present to God. And then in verses 4b through 10, we have invocation, calling upon God and confession. In 11 through 14, we read something of God's judgment and justice. 15 through 19, there's an appeal for mercy. And then we get to the prophecy of the 70 weeks. The memory verse I want you all to kind of ponder is, what would it mean for us to pray? Because Daniel's praying on behalf of the community. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. There's a lot that of um, us that sort of shy away from such language. But, but what is Daniel inviting us to? And then later in the um, verse nine nineteen, Daniel, it's a, it's a cry of the heart, says, Listen, Lord. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Do you love this city of Canton? enough to pray for it in the way that Daniel prayed for the exiles in Babylon? Do you love this city enough to actually commit yourself to seasons of prayer and fasting, to putting on the armor of God, to seeking prayer partners and engaging in prayer through the community? Just as Israel was at a critical juncture as a people of God, I think we're at a critical juncture in time. And I really believe that it's for such a time as this that God has called us. Powers are shifting. Our world is changing. And whatever we may think about the world from a worldly point of view, it behooves us to bring it all to God in prayer. Daniel was well-grounded in his faith and the history of his people. And my sense is that he understood the times. I'm not sure that we always understand the times. But this I do know is that if we, like Daniel, are intentional and in putting ourselves into a relationship with God, to keeping company with God, not only on a daily basis, but on a moment-to-moment-to-moment -to -moment -to -moment basis, we will have a sense of God's heart for this city. Daniel sought to align his will with God's will, not only for his life, but for his people. Imagine, you're going to get a great sermon in the second service, and it's going to be looking at the reign of God. Imagine if we were to align our wills and our works with God's will toward the coming together, the already and not yet of God's reign. Here's the funny thing. Nostalgia can actually pull us back to looking at earlier times, and it can freeze us in expectations of what should be. Daniel didn't allow nostalgia for where Israel had been pre-exile to take him off task in terms of prayer and the pray, uh, praying in the present moment. So what I want to do right now is have somebody go ahead and read verses 4 through 7. And as it's being read, I want you to ponder and realize we do this every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Daniel spoke of his own sins in addition to those of the people. Why would he do this? This is for your table time. And how might Daniel's prayer inform our prayer for the city of Canton and Stark County? So if somebody could read verses Chapter 9, verses 4 through 7. 
Thanks, Phyllis. Ah, Lord, great and awesome God, keeping covenant and steadfast love with those who love you and keep your commandments. We have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Just take a moment or two at your tables. Can you imagine praying in that way for this church, this community? And why might we want, what can we learn from Daniel about his prayer for Israel, for God's people? Come back together and um, where is the roving mic? Ah, here he comes. So any insights um, from your tables as to how Daniel's prayer might inform our prayer? We will hand you the mic. <laughs> nice. There goes the communion crowd. <laughs> um, well, we were talking some about um, the importance of being honest about where we are right. as we come into God's presence and, and not keeping a safe distance of, well, they need your help but of being realistic that I am part of this whole thing and, um, and this is where I'm at um, in relationship to others, myself and God. Right. Yeah, so it begins with clarity of where we stand and how we are part of the body as well. Any other insights as to how Daniel's prayer informs our prayer? Then I would ask if somebody would read verses 17 through 19. And here we have um, a very direct petition from Daniel to God. So remembering, we have Daniel preparing for prayer. There's invocation and confession and acknowledgement of um, how our actions have impacted our um, condition. And now in 15 through 19, we have an appeal for mercy. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, let me just clarify because I got it wrong last time. <laughs> okay, 15 through 19. Right? Chapter 9. Got it, got it. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> and now, O Lord our God, who didst bring <clears throat> thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and hast made thee a name, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteous acts, let thy anger and thy wrath turn away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our Father, Jerusalem and thy people have become a byword among all who are around about us. Now therefore, O our God, hearken to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications. And for thy own sake, O Lord, because thy face cause they <laughs> cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline thy ear and hear, open thy eyes and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee on the ground of our righteousness, but on the ground of thy great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, give heed and act. Delay not for thy own sake. Oh my God, because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Isn't that powerful? Yes, so all right. Um, so let's hear your version, please. Well, it's, I think let's get another translation. Thank you, Phyllis. Let me see where. 
17? Um, well, actually, yeah, 17 through 19. <clears throat> Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. And for your own sake, Lord, let your face shine upon your desolated sanctuary. What a phrase that is. Incline your ear, O my God, and hear. Open your eyes and look at our desolation and the city that bears your name. We do not present our supplication before you on the ground of our righteousness, but on the ground of your great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act, and do not delay. For your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people bear your name. Amen. So, can you imagine? How many of you have prayed to God and said, look, this is for your sake. <laughs> Ain't about us. This is about you, God. We bear your name, so we need you to hear and act now. This has been called, um, it's been described as being desperate for God. And there's something really powerful about that. Obviously, my view is God sees everything, knows everything, so he doesn't have to open his eyes. He's well aware. real trouble, you know, health problems, that kind of thing that are really, really weighing on us. We've got to do something. Help us. And in the same way, I think with Daniel, he could pray that way to God because he was in an intimate relationship with God. You know, I think it speaks to the nature of his relationship. So just as my time with those 65 seniors um, spoke to the reality that they knew something of meditation. And 
they feel um, the pressure of this moment and understand a level of agency that can be theirs if they are intention, intentional about it. I mean, it's a, it, was a, um, it was fascinating, actually, to learn from them. But here's what one um, commentator writes. One person's prayer brings about the restoration of the people of God. But it is a matter of releasing that restoration which God has already provided. So it seems to me as we look at Daniel's prayer, sometimes we need to look at elements of clarifying, of seeking, of releasing when we pray. So I want us to think for a moment about the implications of that. What is it in our prayer for the city of Canton and the county of Stark? He's back. Oh, I like this so much better. Um, That we need to clarify. Because sometimes... You know, we have to pray for something to be able to be brought down to that next level and that level from there. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Are we, in our prayer, in our intercessions, not just simply for one another in this community but uh, of faith, but in this broader community, are we asking and seeking and knocking? Dallas Willard writes this. I love Dallas Willard. Asking is indeed the great law of the spiritual world through which things are accomplished in cooperation with God and yet in harmony with the freedom and worth of every individual. Asking is indeed the great law of the spiritual world through which all things are accomplished in cooperation with God and yet in harmony with the freedom and worth of every individual. This coming week, in addition to building on the practice of strongholds, I want to invite you to approach intercessory prayer um, with uh, perhaps, um, well, through the lens of Daniel through uh, the intention of that prayer being for uh, the community as a whole. And to look at the model of Daniel's prayer um, and, quite frankly, the boldness with which Daniel prays. And in preparation for that, what I want us to do is a little practice time. And so I want us to take the Lord's Prayer because when Jesus was asked by the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray, Those are the words that Jesus gave the disciples. Now, two things I want you to note about that. Number one, they wanted to learn how to pray. So let's not assume that any any of us, quite frankly, um, truly know how to pray. I think it's a lifetime of practice. And I think that um, it's one of those practices where as soon as we think we've got it, we lose it again because it's a practice that's grounded out of our relationship with God. And when we are um, yielding to God, seeking to be in company with God and Christ, it's amazing what can happen. So I am going to ask you all to get comfortable. I'm going to ask you to consider putting both feet on the floor. You might want to put your hands, palms up in your lap in an attitude of receiving what God has to give you. Um, and then I'm going to ask you um, to, to just um, listen to the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, which I'm going to intersperse as if you were hearing it for the first time. So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Spend some time thanking God. Ponder who God is to you and to this community. Honor the reality of God's majesty. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are God's purposes for this city of Canton? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What is the daily bread that God is calling us to provide? Forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Confess your grudges, bitterness, oversensitivity, anything that gets in the way of God's gift of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In what ways are you tempted? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So let us together end this intercession trusting in God's goodness and in God's redemptive plan. Amen. <laughs>